What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. J.J. Jerez here, Arif Dean, here to talk about the... J.J. Uh, what? Gergev just made another save. No, he didn't. He's he's resting. He's drinking his BioSteel. He's uh, got his pads off. He's finally exhaling. He's he's sitting laid back in the locker room. He's got his arms up on the stalls around him. Just has that energy to him. Like I just came to Madison Square Garden and walked away with a fucking victory. Yeah, I like to think maybe even has a, an unlit cigar hit sitting in the hot Sit tub. In his mouth. Hey, McKinnon, remember when you almost lost us the game twice? <laughs> Not on my watch, bud. Yeah, I mean, goalies were the story going into it. Goalies were kind of the story throughout that game, right? I mean, it was a game you and I had circled on the calendar, and it definitely didn't disappoint. The goaltenders were awesome, and just the hockey back and forth, entertaining stuff, and not something you typically get out of a low-scoring game like that. No, and like just everything about it was so perfect because it was a nationally televised game. It was, you know, look, sports are sports and they're competitive, but in the end it's entertainment, and the NHL chose the right game to put on ESPN the goalies chose the right game to to play the game that they played. The offenses chose the right game to put up a combined, what, 90 shots in 65 minutes of play, regulation plus overtime. So just everything about it was outstanding. The shootout goals were nice. Both the Rangers' goals were nice. The Avalanche's goals were nice. Everything about it was just the perfect storm of a game that went according to plan. For ESPN to have it on national TV, for Georgiev to play his former team, and for you and I to have this one circled as a post-game podcast, praying to God it's not a terrible game where we have to sit here and twirl our thumbs for half an hour. So just, what a game. And the drama that went into it, right? I mean, Georgiev making a stop on former teammates and especially going into shootout. Um, you know, just everything that went into it. I mean, I think everybody was excited for this game from top to bottom, and uh, especially the Rangers, right? I think you got that vibe. Remember coming into the season, I think it was either Gabe Landeskog or Eric Johnson saying, you know, now we definitely are going to have everybody's best game every single night. You definitely felt like the the Rangers, looking back to last season, thinking of how close they were to that Stanley Cup final, definitely, you know, brought their A game and definitely brought, um, you know, a little bit of intensity that, you know, almost bitterness of, man, we were supposed to play you guys last year and we would have beaten you almost attitude, right? Yeah, two to nothing series lead against the Tampa Bay Lightning and they lost four straight. Like that series turned on a dime. I think we often forget just how close they were to this being the Stanley Cup final. Like this should have been the Stanley Cup final rematch. But what I thought was just incredible about that game was the Rangers threw everything they could at the avalanche pretty much they had like just great performances up and down the lineup amazing spectacular chances but think to the three goals that got past georgie the two passing plays in regulation tic-tac-toes kind of plays both times the second one after the mckinnon turnover the first one obviously that they had you know just off the rush both of those spectacular tic-tac-toe plays and then what Panarin had to do in the shootout to beat him again. Nothing else got past this guy. Like, it needed... The Rangers played a spectacular game, but even in that, it needed their best to beat this guy. Other than that, like, he didn't look shaky. He wasn't making any sprawling saves. It's what we talked about on Sunday. He looked comfortable. He looked calm. He looked cool. Even in the shootout, like, the game... The game-winning save in the shootout, like just a very easy, I'm going to cut your angle, I got the puck, and we're done. Like it was just 
the type of performance we haven't seen from an avalanche goalie in quite a few years. And that's no disrespect to the guys that have played here before. Number one, the defense has never let them have to make that many saves and, and face that, that many glorious opportunities. And number two, it's not about the other goalies not being that good. It's about how spectacular Georgie was tonight. I mean, you could take it back to the Vegas game, right? He was spectacular on Saturday, and, um, you know, he didn't really have any emotional investment in that game, but came, played well, got to build some confidence, build some momentum, and then you just love to see where a game like this, where he does have an emotional investment, have his composure. You know he wanted this game. You know the guys in the locker room knew he wanted this game. He just came out and performed, right? He didn't crumble under any pressure. He didn't let the emotions get to him. He had that gamer attitude. It's almost Patrick Waugh-esque where he just still had that fire. He still had that intensity. Didn't let any of the pressure bother him or rattle him. He just came and played a, a, a fantastic game. I mean, only thing he could have done better is have a, sh- a shutout, right? But, I mean, he was he was close there for a second. Yeah, he was. And I mean, like, it's it's so fascinating when you think of what these athletes can do. The fact that these are the most competitive and best guys at their sport. This sport obviously being hockey. These are the best players in the world at their sport. They are the best at what they do, and they show up every single night. But despite that, the human element, the emotional element of adding an extra bit, an extra rush to the game for it to mean that much more— and look how they upped the ante. It's the Avalanche versus the Red Wings back in the day. The Avalanche and the Red Wings were juggernauts, destroying the rest of the NHL, making Stanley Cup Finals, Western Conference Finals. But when they faced each other, they found a way to up it a notch because that game just meant so much more. And that's what you saw from Georgie today. Like, Georgiev has been great all season. He's 3-0-1. Yeah, he came into the game with a 9-0-8 save percentage, left it with a 9-21. By the way, that's how many friggin' saves he made. Yeah, he came in with a 908, but he was 301, one of the better goalies in the NHL in terms of win percentage, point percentage, so on and so forth. And he's been fine. Like he hasn't had any bad games and he's been he's been good. Like he's been better than I thought he would be early. And despite that, he found a way to up it a notch. He found a way to really put the stamp on him being the Avalanche's starting goalie. And in the game, that meant more to him than any other game on this calendar. Like he had this game circled in the preseason. And he showed up for it. And more importantly, I think he has officially won the room, right? And as 100%. much as, as much as players will tell you that, uh, you know, they back their goalie and they have full confidence in them, they still have to earn that and they still have to win that. And um, Georgiev has suddenly been able to do that a lot faster than Darcy Kemper was able yeah. to do that. So you like you like that, but um, yeah, it definitely feels like he's settled. He's here, and this is kind of the uh, the level of play that we're to expect from him from here on out. Like, it's crazy when I go back to when I talked to him during the uh, preseason and during training camp, like... Great article, I, by the way. Great thank piece. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Thank you. That's the that's the magazine one that I've been holding on to for a couple of weeks here. But when you go back to, like, the conversations I had with him in a preseason, I think I mentioned it on this podcast. Like, there was this confidence to him where I was like, you know, when did you know you could make it to the NHL? And he kind of, like, shrugged it off. Like, what the fuck kind of question is that? Like, he literally was just like... Uh, the the day that I started playing goalie, and I'm like, what what the hell do you mean? He's like, yeah, when when I started playing goalie, I told myself I'm going to be the best, and obviously, if you're the best, you're going to be in the NHL. I'm going to be the best in juniors. I'm going to be the best in Finland. I'm going to be the best U18, the best U19, the best U20, the best rookie. Like, he always had these goals to himself, where he even kept saying, like, I want to play every other night. There was that quote in my article where he told me. 
uh, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but it was something along the lines of like, I never got that chance to play every other night. I never got that chance to get in my rhythm. And, and you know, that's basically what I'm looking for. And like, we're all sitting here kind of like, damn, what a game. But for him, it's like, yeah, I, I told you this is what I was going to do. I just, I just wanted to play every other night and, and, and I'll show you guys what I can do. And that's exactly what he's doing. Like, it's so crazy to me how good this guy is and how, we could sit here and be blown away, which let's let's face it. Like I've been pumping this guy's tire since the trade in July. We both have. You even wrote about it in the offseason, but we're still blown away by this. And he's probably sitting back like, I told you guys I was going to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's no surprise to him. And, uh, yeah, I just love the way he was able to elevate his game. I guess looking at the schedule head up next for the Avs is a back-to-back. Do you go Georgiev next or do you let Frankie get a shot and let, let Georgie get a little bit of a rest here? I'd, I'd play him the next game, and I think he wants to play the next game too. Look, the fact that it's a Friday-Saturday um, says to me that, you know, number one, it was Saturday and then Tuesday. So he had two days off between these two games. He'll have another two days off between the Devils game. And then Saturday against the Islanders, you can play Frankie. There's no reason. I mean, either way, it's fine, but there's no reason not to play Georgie on Friday. Um, moving on, I guess, with that game, another big reason for the win was the power play, play strikes again, right? Uh, we talked about how much they've been leaning on the power play it wasn't so much that they had to lean on it tonight but um the power play just it came through and and Jared Bednar talked to Emily Kaplan there for a second in between whistles and um he just mentioned how he's got five really skilled guys and that's the best way to to break it down right no matter what's going on with the team no matter what they're trying to work out or figure out the the power play just bottom line has a lot of talent on it and you can always I guess rest assured that that's gonna perform yeah and uh who scored on that power play Big Val. Big Val. That's his fifth power play goal of the season, tied with Steven Stamkos for the league lead. Like, he's just been – he's been everything and more for the Avalanche and the power play. Going one for three today, so only 33%, they dropped to 50% on the season. Like, that's how good the power play has been. We've been talking about it endlessly episode after episode. Special teams have been a large factor in a lot of these games. And uh, this time around, the special teams were great. The, I mean, sorry, the the penalty kill was, the power play was great. Ooh, tripping over my words. The power play was great, and the penalty kill matched it. So you saw both sides of the special teams finally pick it up. The last thing I want to mention before we, you know, move on and keep talking about this is Val Nachushkin, five power play goals. That matches how many he had all of last season. We're seven games in. The dude's already got the same amount of power play goals as he had in the entire season that earned him a $49 million contract because he was spectacular. Like, it's crazy what he's doing. Yeah, he said, I see you and I raise you. And, you know, we were talking about how down the line that contract's going to look like a steal. But, I mean, if he keeps up this pace, it's it's going to be worse than the McKinnon contract one yeah, day. Down, but <laughs> down the line, it's already looking like a steal. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, good execution from the power play. They're just so fun to watch. I I just love watching that group out there together and and having that little bit of an advantage. It's it's just it's unfair for the penalty killers and, and it's just so entertaining. Such a good product. But you brought up the penalty kill. That was a big part of the win as well. Shorthanded goal and a big kill there to to close out overtime. Four for four. Like they were great in regulation. The Rangers were moving the puck pretty damn well. They were great in that four on four kill or sorry four on three kill in overtime. Like. As soon as McKinnon took that penalty, which I know I made the joke earlier in the day that, you know, McKinnon tried to lose the Avalanche the game, but he did have a rough ending to the night. Like the Avalanche had a two to one lead. McKinnon was 
kind of beaten physically by Adam Fox a little easier than I thought McKinnon should be, but I know it was like, you know, the end of a shift and all, but he gets beaten by Adam Fox. They go, they play the tic-tac-toe, spectacular passing to tie it up at two. Then it gets to overtime. Nathan McKinnon gets a penalty with 89 seconds left, and then he's the first shooter in the shootout completely misses the net. So like just a brutal ending there, but Georgie, you know, held his ground, Rodriguez and Rantanen in the shootout, so on and so forth. But for McKinnon to take that penalty with 89 seconds left in overtime, and the Rangers to start a four-on-three power play, you're like, this is it. This is the game. Like, the Avalanche have already struggled to kill off penalties. Four-on-three PKs are even harder than five-on-four. It looked like they had the game there, but lo and behold, the Avalanche, I think, even had a shorthanded opportunity at one point on that kill. They got the job done. Perfect four-for-four, and on top of that, what better way is the cherry on top than Logan O'Connor to score a shorthanded goal? So what you're trying to tell me is that they got it done despite Nathan McKinnon's efforts to almost lose the game for him, right? I mean, it was kind of the same story there on the Panarin back check. It looked like Panarin was just a little bit faster than Nathan McKinnon. Of course, again, Nathan McKinnon at the end of a shift. Um, but, you know, maybe it was it's kind of that mindset of I need all the ice time because me being on the ice is the only way we're going to win this game is kind of uh, what almost hurt them. Um, they got out of it, though. Yeah, look, I mean, you got to call a spade a spade. McKinnon didn't have a good ending to that game. I'm not going to say he had a terrible game. He was fine. He had some good chances. He had the assist on the power play. But that ending to the game, like, I'm not going to sit here and, and say he was great just because the Avalanche won. He did have a pretty bad ending there, and 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 the Avalanche came away with a victory despite it. Like, they, they did a good job on that PK to bail him out, and Georgie did a good job to bail him out, you know, obviously on the PK as well and the shootout and all that. So he earned the 24 minutes. He just didn't have a good ending to the game. Indeed, indeed. Um, I guess right here is a good time to take a second talk about our friends over at Superbook Sports. I mean, we all know football has been back, but nobody's more excited about football's presence than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they match 100% of your first bet, up to $1,000 no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We saw the return of Devon Taves tonight. Uh, Of course, a a key piece. He looked like he um, was playing just fine. Didn't seem to be ailing from anything that I could see. But, of course, you know, that's that's probably just the way he is. It's probably the way he's been playing for years. So um, good to see Devon Taves back in the lineup. And, uh, yeah, I think his impact was definitely felt. Six shots on goal for Devon Taves in 26 minutes and 26 seconds. He 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 looked fine. He he didn't end up with any points. He was a minus one, obviously. So was Kale McCarr, uh, because his because of that late goal. But they he had six shots, 26 minutes. He obviously was second behind Kale, playing 30 seconds fewer than him. A couple of blocks. I know he had a hit in there, maybe two. Uh, good performance from him. Look, anytime you can get Devon Taves back into your lineup, playing 26 plus minutes, it's a good thing because it. It puts the rest of the defensemen back into positions where they belong. Kale McCarr and Devon Taves each played over 26. The next most was Bowen Byram at 19.45. And then you had Josh Manson in the 17-minute range, Gerard in the 18-minute range, Eric Johnson also in the 17-minute range. So when once you got Devon playing those minutes with Kale, the other four guys could kind of go back to where they belong. You don't want to have to play G or, or Bo 23, 24 minutes a night. You want to kind of conserve them a little bit and reserve what they bring. And that's what having Devontae's in the lineup does and and nobody to better to play with Kel McCarr. I mean, 
I think I forget who asked Jared the other day, but you know, it was with Devon out. Someone asked him like, what's the perfect D partner for Kale McCarr kind of saying like, what does it take to play with Kale McCarr? And Jared just said, Devon Taves, that's what it takes. And that's what it is. That's the perfect D partner for Kale. Yeah. I mean, tonight it kind of felt like the, the rest of the defense wasn't really on their best game. Right. I mean, I felt like there were a lot of odd man rushes for the Rangers and, um, you know, Bo and Byram statistically, you know, looking just at the numbers, didn't exactly have the biggest impact of the game. But that's when Devontae's comes into play, right? He, he, when other people are slacking, he can kind of come and clean up the mess, or just kind of take up a big chunk of those minutes and make it error free. So, um, you know, just just good to have that much of weaponry back there on the defense. Yep. And uh, tonight, it definitely showed when they're fully healthy, they are uh, a. a forced to be reckoned with even though Manson I feel like he was kind of a, a loose cannon out there tonight look and that's that's the beauty of having the defense you do and especially that top pair it's when Manson and Byram and I'm using those two specifically because that's your second pair when Manson and Byram are on their game you can play Kale and Devon 23 minutes you can play Manson and Byram 20 21 22 but when Manson and Byram aren't having their best game, uh, specifically Manson, like you mentioned, was kind of all over the place today. But, you know, when those other guys aren't having their game, you can cut their minutes by two or three and just give it to Kale and Devon. Like, it works both ways. You can you can kind of use the minutes where you want. The only guy you probably don't want playing 20, 21 minutes is Eric Johnson because he's got a lot of miles on his body. But if Bo's feeling it, if Manson's feeling it, if Gerard's feeling it, hell yeah, play them. And you don't got to overuse Kale and Devon. But if they're not feeling it, well, you got number seven and number eight. You throw them out there every other shift, and they're going to be completely fine. And I know the ice times are all kind of elevated because it was a 65-minute game with the PK or with the overtime, but they still were miles ahead of the other defense, and that kind of just goes to show that what you said is what Jared saw as well as my top pairs on their game. Let's use them. And not to, I guess— I don't know, not 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 to excuse the penalty, right? But it was on Josh Manson's penalty that they scored the shorthanded goal, right? Logan yeah. O'Connor's goal, and and man, yeah. that, that that's that's that, how he had it set up. Josh was like, "Sorry, yeah. we're gonna score shorthanded." Yeah, it's it's a, a momentum creator penalty, uh, but that that was just such a typical, I think, just avalanche mindset goal, right? Forecheck, 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 steal the puck from the goalie, and um, I know you already talked about it, but yeah. I, I know I just kind of wanted to bring up how. How it just looked like such a, a Jared Benner. baby. Um, yeah. That's that's what's well, Cogliano was the one that kind of dug the puck out of the corner, gave it to Logan O'Connor. So yeah, Logan's the one that scored it. Cogs had the strong four check. But what's Jared's favorite phrase? It, you know, when the Avalanche lose, it's we weren't checking tonight. And what do you hear checking? I, what's that? Execution. He's been saying execution Bingo. a lot, yep. right? He's been using that word. And I think, and a lot of that has to do with checking. Um, I think there's a few more elements that go into execution in Jared Bednar's mind, but that that's 100%. That's it. ultimately it. I mean, what we saw against Winnipeg and what was it, Seattle? Yeah, the two games at Ball Arena last week was a lot of the Jets' chances were coming beneath the hash marks, almost behind the Avalanche defenseman. Like the Avalanche weren't doing a good job of keeping the forwards outside of that area in front of the goalie. Well, they were doing that tonight, and then on the forecheck, they were doing what Cogliano did on that play. It's that relentless forecheck. When Jared says, we weren't checking tonight or our checking was great tonight, you know, 13-year-old me is like, oh, you know, I'm playing EA Sports NHL 12 or 11 or whatever a decade ago, and I'm thinking, 
checking is hits. Well, it's no, it's not hits. It's the aggressiveness of kind of battling for the puck. And that's what Cogliano did. That's what makes Lekkonen and, and Nichushkin a lot of money. And that's what the avalanche system is. When you have the puck, you hold on to it. When the other team has the puck, you forecheck the hell out of them and get it back so you can hold on to it. And that's ultimately the system Jared plays on the PK, on the PP, at even strength. And it's been working, obviously. They're the defending Stanley Cup champs for a reason. Yeah, I mean, they love being systematic about it, right? If everybody's on the exact same page all the time, then that, that's the best way to move forward as a unit. So, um, yeah, that's what, it, that's what it was all about. I guess let's get into overtime. That was a, that was a fun inter- overtime to watch, I think. Yeah. Considering the way the rest of the game was going, you had to assume that the goalies were going to stand on their head and we were seeing a shootout there. That's what I kind of thought right away. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that too until the McKinnon penalty when the McKinnon penalty happened, it kind of was like, this is going to be a statement kill or it's going to be, you know, a loss because a four on three power play is, you know, never hard to, to never easy to kill. I should say it's a really hard kill. So for the avalanche to come away with that kill, obviously it was only 89 seconds, but it still counts the same. And then to, to send the game to the shootout was big for them. But even before the McKinnon penalty, which by the way, like the McKinnon penalty was something where he was a minute and a half into a shift. And then had to turn and get into a foot race with Artemi Panarin, who's also a pretty good skater, and was beat by like half a step. And that's why he hooked Panarin, which like it was a good penalty to take. And Panarin ended up, I think, missing the net on his shot. But any other person in that race at the end of a minute and a half shift, Panarin is blowing by them. I know we don't often see McKinnon lose foot races, but that's a foot race that he lost by just a little bit, and he should have lost by a lot given the circumstances. So I'm not saying that that was a bad penalty to take. You know, I made the joke earlier that he kind of almost lost the avalanche the game, but that wasn't a bad penalty to take. It was it was a great effort by him to get back, and, and the avalanche kind of rewarded him for his ability to not let Panarin get a straight-up breakaway on Georgie by killing that penalty as well. Well, and you know Georgie was going to you know, give that extra effort there to kill off that penalty, and the guys in front of him were going to do the same. Again, back to the beginning of the episode, everybody knew how much that game meant to Alexander Big Georgiev, yep. and they were going to give everything they could for him and, and really just establish that um, I guess teammate bond, right? Like, hey, we're here to battle for you. We're here, and, and that what better way than to just prove it on the ice? So uh, the whole game kind of circles back to just winning it for Georgie. Look, that was the kind of game where if you lose that kind of game, given the goalie performance, given the way both teams played, the spe- you know, it was it was a coin flip. In the end, this game was a coin flip right down to the very end in the shootout when shootouts literally are a coin flip. You could lose this game if you're the Avalanche, and like. You never want to lose and you're never happy with losing, but it's like, you know what? We played a great game against another team. It was a 50-50 game and we lost, but at least we got a point and that's fine. And you could move on 3-2-2 in the standings like the Rangers are now. The Avalanche could have moved on at 3-2-2 and been like, all right, on to the next one. Great performance. Not much to clean up. Let's get the next one. But in a game like this that matters to the goalie to not only get that perform- have that performance, but to get that W and to get that victory in the W column, I should say, for it to matter to the goalie that much, because of the circumstances of the game, it did matter more than a normal game. Like if this was, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, they played a terrible game. They came out with a point. That's fine. Whatever. We didn't even deserve a point. We got it. You could have had that same mindset with this game. But because of what it meant to Georgiev, that is a locker room altering victory for the Avalanche. They wanted that one for Georgie. He wanted it for them. 
And ultimately, like you said, that's the kind of thing that builds relationships. Seven games into the season, you got 75 more. You're about to fly halfway across the globe to Europe. Damn good time to get a victory like that and to build that relationship with your goalie. Yeah, and what better time to do it than after victories, right? It's a lot easier to be friends and be fun and uh, have a good time together after winning. And, um, yeah, I'm with you. I was going to say it at the beginning of the show, but you kind of interrupted me and took it in your own direction, which is fine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'm pro shootout. I love shootout. I think that they're fun. They're entertaining. But that felt like a game that just deserved to be a tie, right? Oh. Just deserved it. It just deserved to be a tie. Both both sides deserved to win there. That was such a gut punch of an ending to your sentence. I thought you were going to say, like, that's the type of game that deserved more overtime, more, excuse me, more overtime or something like that. To end it with a tie, that would suck. Look, in the end, somebody's <laughs> got somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And if that game ended with a tie, rather than both games, both teams feeling like they won, it's ultimately both teams would feel like they lost. Like, we both gave an effort like that and nothing to show for it. So the fact that it, the shootout, is a thing. Look, I'm, I don't love shootouts. I don't hate them either. I'm not totally against them like other people are, but I'm not totally for them. I'm for them in games like this, where they happen every so often, which for the avalanche, it's the first time in seven games. And they, they traditionally don't have a lot of shootouts every year. They're usually on the, like the low end in, in, in the NHL standings in terms of how many shootouts they have. But in games like this, where both teams are battling to the bitter end and it's a regular season. So you can't just have continuous overtime until somebody scores. What better way to end it than to, to for a way like that and, and to see the goals that were scored? Like, everything about this game was great. Like, Miko Rantanen went in there, just a spectacular shot, which seems to be the word we're using today, spectacular. Panarin comes in and dipsy doodles the life out of Georgie and everybody in their seats in a, in a play where, like, he had to basically obviously score to keep the shootout going. And then Rodriguez comes around and deeks Shesterkin so much that he couldn't control his balance and fell into him after scoring. Like it was, it was three great shootout goals after a game full of great goals. Hey, look at I, that! Nico Sturm just scored for the Sharks. I thought Evan Rodriguez's uh, move was unreal. Uh, it, that was great. That it, was so great. It even tricked me. It was so good of a of a fake and, uh, you know, uh, we talked a little bit with Peter Ball on Sunday about you know, the familiarity between Georgiev and his teammates and if that plays any role in the game or, uh, and I feel like it doesn't, you were completely right until the shootout, the right? Shootout, I mean, yep. that's when the uh, familiarity kind of kicks in and it almost felt like, you know, Georgiev was, was had the upper hand because he was the one that was more familiar with what the shooters like to do more so than they were familiar with his weaknesses. So um, yeah, uh, checkmate. How easy of a shootout was that for him? Like, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, it Panarin, crazy. yeah, Panarin deked the life out of him. But like, other than that, like the dude was just square to every single shot. It never looked like a 50-50 shot either way. It was always like a clear save where he had his entire body in front of the puck. And to for Jared Bednar to have the confidence in Evan Rodriguez to, to throw him in there in his rotation, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, man. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, like you said, the Avalanche don't have many shootouts. And when they do, they're kind of underwhelming considering how much talent they have, right? I mean, Kale McCarr wasn't really able to do anything and throwing a D-man out there, you kind of expect him to do something. Um, and so, yeah, having the confidence in Evan Rodriguez to yeah. go out there and then he comes and delivers, I, I loved it. I mean, think about it. Uh, Gabe Landeskog's injured, and that's a guy that's usually in the shootout. Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, Evan Rodriguez. Who's missing from that group? Who scored the first goal of the night? Who's leading the team in goals? Yeah, Val, I, I mean, 
Yeah, Val okay. wasn't even like he went with Rodriguez before going with Nichushkin, and Nichushkin is not by any means a guy that sucks at shootouts. Like he's good on breakaways. He's got a lot of moves in his in his, uh, I guess repertoire. repertoire. Like yeah, <laughs> that's a good word. Uh, in his repertoire, and he still went with Rodriguez first. And you know the big takeaway that I took from that is Rodriguez, despite the fact that it's taking Newhook some time to kind of figure out what the hell he's doing this season, Rodriguez has been figuring it out the last few nights, you know, the last few games. He's got a couple goals now. He gets that shootout winner. He's starting, like you said, with Georgie. He's starting to earn the trust of those guys in the locker room where they're like, all right, this is the new guy playing a top six role. That's a big role for him to be playing. And he's doing a good job at it. I mean, Georgie and Rodriguez, those are the two big acquisitions the Avalanche made, and, and both of them came through tonight. Yep. Indeed. Um, big game from the from the boys. Uh, good breakdown, Arif. My sleepy time tea that I've been drinking this whole <laughs> show is starting to kick in. So I think here's a good place to wrap it. Did you want to get – remember on Sunday you forgot your extra attacker portion of the show? Did you, <laughs> did you want to lay it out today? I know you remembered it. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon has done a couple interviews. And, you know, we talked about it during preseason and training camp, how refreshing it has been to talk to Nate this year. He's just so fun to talk to, and he's – He's been very thoughtful in his answers and not like pissy at the media and wants to talk to you and and it's been great. You know, that's what winning a Stanley Cup does to somebody like McKinnon. He did two interviews last week. He did one with Spit and Chicklets and then he did another one with I think the Ray and Dregs podcast and he was very thoughtful in both. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to them yet, definitely go look up those McKinnon interviews. They were great. But one of the things he talked about, which was so fascinating, he he had a lot of behind the scenes stuff about the the Stanley Cup, the playoff run, the Stanley Cup final, the parties and all that stuff. But something that was so surreal to hear about was, you know, we all heard about when when the Nazem Kadri stuff was going down in St. Louis, that the Avalanche had a police presence. But Nathan went on to mention that there were four undercover. So like there was a police presence for the bus to drive to the rink in St. Louis, police presence as they were getting off the bus. But during the pregame warmup, right before the national anthem, I think he said there were four undercover cops hanging out on the bench. And who's usually on the bench? It's it's the Avalanche social media crew that, you know, that we know that we 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 know from behind the scenes, Madeline and the rest of the social media crew and the digital team. They're usually hanging out on the bench, but in that particular game, game 4 in St. Louis, which as we know Kadri went on to score a hat trick, which he's about to do again tonight almost. There were four undercover cops there because they were scared that somebody was going to do something given all the threats that that Kadri had had gotten. So to see the Avalanche have to deal with something like that in the middle of a playoff run, shout out obviously to Nazem Kadri. We talked about it all summer for him to come out and score that hat trick. It just kind of adds to the story of what they had to do and what they had to deal with this offseason. And it's just it's kind of crazy to hear about it. Yeah, and how how they kind of had to put the blinders on, right, and still stay focused with all the outside noise going on and extra outside noise at that. I mean, that definitely sounds like extra outside noise to me because that's definitely not the norm, but better no, be safe yeah. than sorry. So No, absolutely. I think, I think the NHL handled that well. The NHL, the St. Louis Blues, everybody really handled that situation well. But just another opportunity to say, what a fucking guy, Nazem Kadri. Like, people are throwing death threats at you and racist attacks and all these things. And all you do is go out and score a hat trick and hand to the ear when you score, like just what a fucking guy, like ice in his veins. What a guy. Kind of like we said about Alexander Georgiev, right? When the, when the, 
going gets tough, the tough get going. And that's exactly what we saw tonight from, from your give. That's what you saw yep. in Kadri that's, in St. That's, Louis. The gamer, the gamer mentality. Comparison. Yep, that's a hell of a comparison. And you know what, man? If you know, It still sucks the Avalanche had to lose Nazem Kadri, and I still will die on the hill that they needed to re-sign him and give him the contract the Calgary Flames gave him. I still genuinely believe that, and I will for the next seven years. But to have that mentality now be the guy in net, and again, don't think of this as me taking shots at Frankie or Kemper or anything. But this guy brings a different element that those guys didn't bring and for Frankie still brings. But to have that going gets tough, the tough gets going, that mentality, that ice in your veins mentality that Kadri had, to now have it in the guy between the pipes is going to be huge for this team. Yep, yep. And the confidence is going to continue to grow. Um, so that's all for today or tonight, is. I guess. You want to know what's crazy? The next four Avalanche games, Friday and Saturday of this week, Friday and Saturday of next week. It's going to be a long stretch of many days off because of that Finland trip, but it should be fun. We'll still be here try to come up with something to talk about with you guys. <laughs> you know there's always plenty. I mean, we just filled 32 minutes on one game. Not You can always give 30 minutes for Arif to talk about Val Nichushkin being great at hockey and remembering Nazem Kadri. We can do it every week. <laughs> And uh, if you want to hate on Arif for his Nazem Kadri take, feel free to, um, and yeah, tag me in it. I enjoy seeing it like we saw a couple <laughs> times in the last week or so. For seven um, years, I'm going to do it. For seven years. Seven years? Seven years. The length of the Kadri contract, and it's how long I'm going to sit back and say they should have signed this guy. So we're stuck with you for another seven years, you're saying? Yes, sir. I know, I know uh, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about you. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I guess there's a great place to stop. Um, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, let's look forward to the weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, New Jersey and the New York Islanders. So if you made it this far in the podcast, bless that heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.